Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. I got a new Bible about four years ago, and I thought ahead and I said, okay, I might as well bite the bullet. I got the large print. So I'm, I'm in it for the long haul, if you know what I mean. So uh, anyway, I had to accept that I have to squint more than I used to. Uh, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to look at different verses, so just stick with me. Uh, we're going to talk about a new series today, and that is, what does the Bible say about death? I know if you're observant, you're going, wow, they got on black shirts, it's Halloween, who, who come up with that idea? Well, it kind of happened, and we had to laugh about it. But anyway, uh, when I think about it, the past year and a half, I would dare say that most all of us have thought more about death than, say, we normally would. And I think it's important to inform our view of what death is about and how you deal with it from God's Word, and that's what we're going to do. My favorite quote about death, you've heard me say this before, uh, Woody Allen, the great theologian, right? Uh, He said, I'm not afraid of death, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Hey, there's a lot of truth to that, isn't that right? I mean, as a child of God, I'm not afraid of death, I've accepted that it's a part of life, but I don't look forward to being there when it happens, but I will be, and you will be. We've all got to accept that one day we're going to die. George Bernard Shaw said it best. He said, the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of one people die. I know that's a newsflash, right? But we all die. It's something that we have to accept. The minute you're born, you begin to eventually die. I don't try to be morbid or anything, but I want you to realize that we're all living on borrowed time. Um, maybe you've had a close call with death. I remember being a kid and I had some scary moments. When I look back now, I can remember being scooped up by my stepbrother when I was in third grade. I'd already gone to bed and all of a sudden I I wake up, I'd been asleep. He says, Corey, I've come to get you. The house is on fire. He swooped me up, had a blanket on in my PJs. We walked out of the, or he walked, he walked me out of the house carrying me. And finally, after we got out, I looked back and the whole thing is up in flames. Uh, you know, we all have those moments in life where maybe we look back and go, man, that was a close call. What if this had happened? What if that hadn't have happened? What about this? What about that? I think if we're honest, we all have those moments in life that we look back, some we're aware of very vividly, some of them we, be, we become aware of as we reflect on it and go back and go, wow, that was a close call. Maybe you weren't uh, paying attention and you pull out in front of somebody or maybe someone else wasn't paying attention and they hit you. Uh, maybe you get that fo- dreaded phone call and you have to go see the doctor. We all have those moments in life when we're reminded that we are not immortal, at least not yet that we are going to die. And when we become aware of that, that's when we have an opportunity to really learn what we need to learn. 
Uh, Billy Graham said it well. He said, death is often accompanied by those heartbreaking questions like, why me? Why now? Why this? And why must we die? If you've ever lost a loved one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Why, why, why? It happens to all of us. Uh, and we all ask those questions. Now, the real question that I want to help you with this morning is how do you deal with death? Because we've already established that death happens to everybody. Okay, It's that unwanted intruder and it's that unwanted visitor that nobody wants to see coming. Uh, I, you know, I, I tease our, our, our county coroner, right, Herman, because I don't want to see him coming. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> He's the one guy you don't want to see, see coming. No offense. He's a great guy, but I don't want to see the coroner coming. Um, but how do you deal with death? You can deny it. You can fight it. You can plead and bargain. But let me tell you something. Death comes to everybody. And the sooner we realize that, I don't mean here, but here, the sooner we realize that in our hearts, the sooner we can prepare ourselves for it. I want you to think about what the Bible says about life for just a minute. James 4, verse 14. James said, you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You know, there's a few mornings every year you wake up with Lake Cumberland close by. You wake up and it's a foggy morning. You know what I'm talking about. And you're like, boy, I'm going to have to be careful today because you get out on that road sometimes and you just can't, you just can't see well when, it, when it's a, a big, thick, heavy fog. But guess what? By mid-morning, what happens? That fog is gone. And you know what? That's our life. Our life is like a vapor. You, you, you look around, you go, wow, look at that. And then you blink twice, and it's gone. Our lives are short. They're like a drop, of, a drop in a bucket when it comes to eternity. Psalm 39, the author of the Psalms, said in verse 5, In fact, you have made my days just inches long, and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapor. Again, two different people in the Bible noting that our life is like a vapor. It's very fleeting. And then my favorite verse in Psalms 90 verse 12, the writer says, Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. You know, you and I need to count our days if we're going to make our days count. When you really think about it, we've got to number our days because they're already numbered. And we need to make the most of every single moment of life. We need to make the most of every single opportunity. You're going to go home and then you're going to go to bed tonight and then you're going to wake up tomorrow and you can't get today back. Tomorrow will be a whole new day, be a whole nother thing. And so you and I have to make the most of every single moment we have. So here's my question today. When we realize that death is certain, it's inevitable, every single person that lives is going to die, then we realize how fleeting life is. We're but a vapor. 
then the question is, how do we cope with the reality of death? How do we do it? Well, number one, recognize death is an enemy. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, before we go to the the verse that I'm going to share about that, let me just say this. Death is an enemy. If you were to look at what is death in the Bible, I think a good definition would be separation. Okay? And, and, and just in a word, separation. Yes, death uh, is where you know, life has ceased to exist. But I would say that death, from a biblical standpoint, is separation. Now, what do I mean by that? You know, James talked about how faith is without works is dead. He says, faith without works is dead, just like the, the body without the spirit is dead. When you and I die, our spirit leaves our body, and we are dead. Okay, there is a separation that happens at death. Uh, the spirit that God gives you and me, the spirit of life, if you will, when we die that spirit no longer animates our body, okay? And so there is a separation there. That's physical death. Spiritual death is when we are what? Separated from God. You know, when uh, the story that Danny was talking about, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that God told them not to, the Bible says their eyes were open, they realized they were naked, they covered themselves, and then when they heard God call out in the cool of the day, Adam, where are you? They hid themselves. And then when he confronts them, then they have to own up to the truth. They died spiritually the day they did what God told them not to. They died physically many years later. Adam lived to be several hundred years old. And so death, again, is separation. Uh, another, another way to emphasize that death is separation. When you read to the end of the book, you know there's going to be a judgment day. There's going to be a day when everybody stands before God and people will go to heaven or hell. You know, heaven is going to be eternal life. That's the way the Bible describes it. Hell, it's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth and it's going to be forever. Again, culturally, a lot of people think that when you die, the screen goes black, the words come up, game over, and that's it. You're no longer aware of anything. It was fun while it lasted, but now it's over and it's done and that's it. And that's all there is. But we know when we read the Bible that even someone who doesn't know Christ, when they die, there is a consciousness, and that their destination, if they don't know Christ, is going to be eternal conscious torment, okay? And so death, again, is separation. In this case, spiritual separation from God. So whenever you look at death in the Bible, it always is separation. And for that reason, I want you to recognize death is an enemy, because that wasn't God's plan. That's not the way God wanted us to live life and experience the reality of life. He didn't want it to end in separation. Whether it was the Spirit leaving our body and, and our body laying there like a carcass, or whether it's being separated from Him. That was not part of the plan. 
And we know that death is an enemy because in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, this is the resurrection chapter. I want you to look with me. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 21, Paul says that since death came through a man, that's referring to Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, that's referring to Jesus Christ. He says, for just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end when he, Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be abolished is death. I love that. I think a lot of times people think that the devil is the last enemy. No, it's not the devil, it's death. That's what the Bible says. The last enemy is death. Now Jesus defeated the devil and he also defeated death at the cross through his triumphant resurrection. So we already know that he has won the battle of death. But we won't experience that and fully realize that until Christ comes back. And when He comes back, He will raise the dead, all of them. And we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so we think about that and we go, wow, death is an enemy. So when you begin to think about death, if your feelings are, hmm then realize you've got good instincts because death is an enemy. It wasn't part of God's original plan. It's not the way things are supposed to be. That's not the design idea that God had when He created you and me. He wanted us to be with Him forever. And so recognize that death is an enemy. Death is an enemy. It's an intruder. It shows up. It takes away family and friends. It leaves us you know, with a loss. We, we lose relationships. We lose people we care about. Even when death comes knocking on our door and we're the target, we lose that opportunity to, to enjoy a few more days like we all take for granted. Recognize that death is an enemy. But also realize, number two, death is an appointment. Remember that part when I said that everybody is going to die? One out of one people die? Well, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says, And just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So it has been appointed for people to die once and then a judgment. In other words, death is an appointment. Because of the fall, because of sin, death entered the world and the consequence of that is death is an appointment. It's been appointed once for man to die. You and I are going to die. You might Show up late everywhere you go. I I don't know. I haven't read your mail. I mean, some of us are like that, right? But you won't be late for your appointment with death. Death knows where to find you. 
Death knows how to find you. And when you least expect it, when your time comes, guess what? Death will be there, ready, looking you in the eye. You and I have to realize that death is an appointment. And just like any other appointment in life, you need to be prepared. Don't let it be a rude awakening. You need to be prepared. Now, I get it. Death is one of those things that nobody likes to talk about. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't like to talk about. I remember, I remember being a kid. At that, you know, when I go back in my mind, I was like eight, nine, ten years old. The worst place I could possibly go was a funeral home. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. And then you become a teenager, and then you get saved, and then you get called to, to preach, and then you realize, now I'm going to be preaching funerals in funeral homes. And then you're like, man, I don't want to do it. And so what I'm trying to say is God has a way of dealing with all of us when it comes to our attitude about death. And you and I need to examine our attitude about death and realize that death is an appointment. And when your time comes, guess what? You're going to keep that appointment. My question is, will you be prepared? And the third thing today we recognize death is an enemy. We realize death is an appointment. And that leads to this, to repent and believe the gospel. The only way, the only way that you and, and I can be prepared for death when our time comes, whenever that be, is to repent and believe the gospel. The gospel of Mark records Jesus, that after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And here's what Jesus said. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. That was the essence of Jesus' message. And you know what? It's still true today. You and I need to repent. Now again, there's another Bible word. We don't hear that every day, do we? When's the last time you hear somebody say, Repent! It means turn around. It literally means a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. Sometimes that's hard to do. You ever go down the road? I, I, I'm one of those when I'm driving... I like to talk if I've got people in the car. And I hate to confess this, but my wife knows it too. The more I talk, the slower I get. So if I'm in a hurry, just don't talk to me and I'll get there faster. Okay? And so I'm a talking and then, oh my goodness, I missed the turn. Oh, oh boy. Uh, one time that cost me. When we first moved here, I got confused when it came to I-65 trying to come this way to, Lake, uh, to the Cumberland Parkway, Danny. And for some reason, I uh, got on the, well, I got on 65 South instead of North. Don't ask me. I don't know why. Did you know you've got to go about 15 to 20 miles before you can turn around? Like you keep going, when's the next exit? I know it's up here. Five miles later, I know it's up here. And finally, 15 miles, 20 miles later is the first exit. And then you, the worst part is, Brother Don, then you got to turn around and go all the way back, Right? Oh, my goodness. But sometimes repentance is hard. We, we realize, oh, 
I don't need to be doing this. Oops, I made a wrong turn. And it, it can be hard to, to repent sometimes. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to own it. Um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pride thing. It, it, it's, it's a lot of things. But you and I, if we're going to, to do what God's called us to do, we've got to repent. We've got to have a change of mind that leads to a change of direction okay a 180 and about face that's what repentance is when you and i become aware that we are the problem that we have sinned against god that we like sheep have all gone astray that none of us measure up to god's standard of righteousness no not one and we have to realize that and then repent turn from our sin and then the second part is believe the good news. Believe the gospel. The word gospel means good news. Well, what is the good news? The good news is God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Amen. His only begotten son who died on that cross. He, he lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I deserve. He took our place. He died on that cross. And then he was buried, which proves he, he died. And on the third day, what happened? He arose. And he, through his resurrection, he defeated death. He defeated the devil. He defeated sin. He defeated all those things. And now to whosoever believes in him, he offers the free gift of everlasting life. It's a gift. He's already paid for it. You and I can't earn, earn it. And nobody deserves it, but he's willing to give that gift if you'll turn from your sin and put your trust in him. Repent and believe the good news. I don't know about you, but when it comes to the reality of death, you and I have got to be prepared for when that happens. I love uh, when Ethan was much younger Travis was talking to him one day. Hey, uh, they were outside. Hey, Ethan, you know, who made the, the clouds? God did. Hey, who, who made the grass? God did. Who made the cows? God did. You remember this, Travis? You said, how do you get to heaven? Now, to preface this, we had some people we knew that had died. And, you know, you're talking to your child about death. And you go, well, they died and they went to heaven. And you're keeping it simple so that you can go deeper later, right? And so he says, Ethan, how do you get to heaven? He goes, well, you got to die first. You'll get that in a minute. And it's a really a profound statement. You know why? Because Jesus died so we could go to heaven. You think about that. And so you and I today, I encourage you to realize that we all are living on barred time. Death is a certainty. It's going to happen. Your death is going to happen. My death is going to happen. Our life is but a breath, a, a vapor. We need to count our days so that God can give us a heart of wisdom. We need to count our days in order to make our days count. What are you going to do with the time that you have left? And oh, by the way, we get the same amount of time every single day, a fresh 24 hours. And we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We only have what we have today. Tomorrow is a new day. It has trouble on its own. We'll deal with that tomorrow. But today, if you hear God's voice, I pray you won't harden your heart. I pray today, if you hear God's voice, you will answer the call and say, Lord, 
I've been going in the wrong direction. I'm ready to turn around. And Lord, I need you in my life. And I want to believe this good news that you talk about. How you love me. You lived the life that I should have lived. You died the death that I deserved. You have purchased my salvation with your own blood. And now you're offering the gift. And it is a gift of eternal life to anyone who will come and trust and follow you. Let's all stand as the musicians come. Maybe God is speaking to you this morning. Father, we come before you. Thank you for this time and your word. Lord, thank you of the reminder that life is so short. Death is sure, but Christ is the cure. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Teach us to count our days, Lord. Give us a heart of wisdom. And Lord, I pray that no one will leave today unprepared for that moment when they will meet you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.